from CBC Radio and Public Radio International. This is Wiretap with Jonathan Goldstein. Part one of today's show, The Watcher. A few years back, I was living with a woman in an old building downtown. This was near the end of our relationship, during a time when we had begun to fight, a lot. Fighting was a regular part of our routine. We'd come home from work, eat dinner, and then we would just start to fight. Nowadays, me and my ex-girlfriend are friends, but back then we were just a source of hurt to each other, and we fought all the time. The substance of these fights I can no longer remember. All that I can recall is that it was very painful and loud. So eventually we broke up, my girlfriend and I, and several months after we split, I found myself at a party, and at this party was one of the women who used to live in the same building as me and my girlfriend. She lived right downstairs from us. I didn't really know her very well. We said hi to each other in the hallway, that sort of thing, but nothing that went beyond polite neighborliness. But just the same, as I walk through the door of this party, I see this old neighbor come towards me from across the room with the enthusiasm and look about her of someone who has just run into a long-lost friend. So she makes this beeline straight towards me, and then she stops right in front of me, and without saying a word, she grabs my hand, my hand that's just hanging by my side, and she picks it up with both of hers, and she just stares at me in silence. Now as I'm looking at her, I begin to realize, by her intensity, and by the way she's just sort of swaying back and forth, that she's pretty drunk. So we're just standing there, my hand sandwiched between both of her hands, her looking at me, still not speaking, when finally she says to me, I know, I know. From what I was able to gather from this woman's delighted drunken ramble, during the months that my girlfriend and I had been bitterly fighting, she had been listening to us through her living room radiator. Through this radiator, she could hear what was going on in our apartment. And in this way, she had been keeping abreast of the slow deterioration of our relationship. So now, at this point, I'm feeling all kinds of things. I'm feeling invaded and embarrassed, and I'm just standing there taking it all in. When suddenly she says to me that after following all of our arguments over all of those months, she is firmly and emphatically on my side. Now, I'm embarrassed to say that those words gave me pause, because let me just say that in the weeks and months after my girlfriend and I had broken up, I had been replaying those arguments in my head over and over, and even I didn't feel as though I was on my side. And yet hearing this woman, this stranger, tell me that she was on my side made me feel vindicated. I mean, suddenly, I was no longer angry, but instead I was actually comforted, comforted that someone had been listening, that someone unbeknownst to me, was just out there, being on my side. It didn't matter that she really didn't know me or know my relationship with my girlfriend. It didn't even matter that she was a virtual stranger. She was suddenly an objective force. Such is the power that a watcher, the one who watches, holds over us. I guess it was back in February, and I had just installed a, a new VCR, 
And so, you know, when you set up a new VCR, you have to um, put in the new channels, and there's an auto um, selection. So I press auto, and, you know, it's just whipping through channel, you know, two, three, four, five, six. And it goes way up the band. And, you know, the numbers are going higher and higher and higher and higher and trying to find the station. And it locks in to the station. And I'm looking at it and going, this is really bizarre. I think I'm looking at a lobby in an apartment building. It was uh, like the image wasn't great. There's no audio track. Um, it's just a silent, you know, it's a, it's a security camera, I guess. But you don't live in a building that right. that, that has a lobby, right? Right, right. So it's it's you're getting you're getting um, reception of a, a, a lobby that that is not your own. Right, right. I mean, if I was living in a high rise, I wouldn't have been surprised to see my own lobby. Um, it's a lobby in another part of the city, or in my town, or wherever. But you don't know where. Not a clue. Not a clue. I have this neighbor downstairs, and he's got, you know, 155 stations. He's got satellite dish, and he's always bragging about, you know, how clear the reception is and all these great channels, and he can get, like, David Letterman on L.A. Times. So, you know, his life's great. And so just as a joke, I said, yeah, but you get lobby channel. And um, we start, I started explaining about this lobby mm-hmm. that I'm getting on Channel 70-something. Uh-huh. And... Um, he says no, but that he would like um, scan through and see if he indeed got it. But of course he didn't. I think there's a certain point, um, I think it's in March, where they start running a lot of reruns. Mm-hmm. And there's basically only about five shows that I watch religiously mm-hmm. um, each week. And, um, and just out of habit, after walking the dogs or whatever and coming back at 9.30, I automatically go to those shows. And, of course, there are reruns. And then sort of thought, oh, I've always got lobby to look at. And I decide to, you know, just program it, keep it programmed on my uh, dial. On the speed dial. On the speed dial. So just as you're flipping, you know, from NBC to CBS to Fox, you have the lobby right alongside of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's in the lineup. In the winter, um, I'm not a jock, but what I like to do when it's really cold uh, on weekends is uh, watch golf. Because uh, when I watch golf, like everybody's like in a balmy part of the world and the sun's shining. But at a certain point, it just becomes tedious. And, and I thought, well, I'll see what's going on in the lobby. And so I'd go back and forth from golf to the lobby. And to be honest, after not very much time, the lobby won. It's far more interesting, even though there was nothing going on. And I thought, you know, unfortunately, I have to go to work on Monday. And I wonder what happens, you know, at key hours in the lobby. Like, for instance, like, you know, is there a rush hour in the lobby? Like from 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning or at the end of the day. So I thought, well, you know what, I'll, I'll just start taping it. You started taping it? Yeah, I started setting up my VCR to record the uh, lobby at peak hours, see if there's any traffic, see if anybody was using the lobby. So at, at this point, how many tapes have you amassed? Oh, just only three. 
at LP. So I've got like about, you know, I don't know, six, seven hours of footage. On each one? Yeah. So, that, so that's like 18 hours? Yeah, something like that. Uh-huh. And I figured, you know, why not? I can just fast forward through it. Mm-hmm. And at first when I was watching, I was thinking like, you know, someone going to come walking in, right? Mm-hmm. That would have been the highlight, okay? That was my goal. But no one ever walked in. Uh, so I'm fast-forwarding through it, and then all of a sudden I see something. There's an image of a woman standing right in the center of the lobby. Boom. And it looked as though she was wearing a pillbox hat, which caught my attention. So I was on to something. Right. Right? Yes. Okay, I wasn't clearly wasting my time. And there she is. You know, there's this person standing in the middle of the lobby, and I and and I sort of forget that I'm actually watching someone in the lobby because I'm just so surprised to see anything at all. Hmm. And uh, and sure enough, she starts going through her purse and she starts fumbling. She bends down, she stands up, and she looks in her hand. I assume, you know, she found her keys and she stops, she pauses, and she just walks out of the frame and goes in. I guess she goes in, yeah. Every time you know, I fast forward through these tapes, see what else is going on in the lobby, if I do see a person, it's her. And she's always wearing this pillbox hat, or what seems to be a pillbox hat. Huh. And it's interesting because she seems to fumble. Like She doesn't always like lose her keys, but like she'll walk. She'll be standing there, and she'll like, sort of like seem to trip on something and grab her balance. And, you know. But she's sort of fumbly. Yeah, she's a fumbly person. And uh, But her hat stays on her head, so that's okay. I would, you know, be home, and I'd start preparing dinner, and I'd look up, and I'd see the clock. It would be like 5 o'clock, and instead of, like, running into the kitchen, I would just, like, turn on the TV set and see if I can catch a glimpse of her live. Bingo. There she was. Pillbox hat. What, what About what time was this? Um, same time, same time, like somewhere around the dinner hour. Yeah, and I thought this is like a little weird, weird that I'm actually stopping what I'm doing to see if a person is, who I don't know is coming into a building. On a daily basis? Yeah. Well, how, how, long, how long have you been doing this? I guess about a month. Uh-huh. And um, and I, I really didn't think anything of it. I mean, I have a full life, mm-hmm. you know. I work. I enjoy what I do. I, I have things to do. Yeah. And yet, for some reason, you know, when you, when you start watching someone, you you I don't know if you're fantasizing or you just imagine, you know, what is this person all about? And I guess I sort of figured she was like in her late thirties, uh, maybe forty. Mm-hmm. Um. Had some sort of a regular job. It wasn't as though I was attracted to her, like, physically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just someone else out there that I was getting to know via my TV set. And is there anything that you imagine her doing once she, uh, once she passes by the camera and, and, and makes her way up to her apartment? You know, clearly, you know, as she's walking past the camera to her apartment, she's either going to go into the apartment alone to a lonely apartment. Mm-hmm. 
an empty apartment mm-hmm. with no one else in her life. Mm-hmm. Or there may be someone there waiting for her. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 because of the weather outside at the time of year, mm-hmm. I began to believe that she had a lone existence. One night I'm watching, and she comes in with someone. And it really threw me for a loop. I thought, who is this person with? Right? She came in with a man? Yeah. And there she is walking with this guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and I, 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 I don't know if I was hurt. Then I thought, this is ridiculous. I mean, this person has her own life, right? Yeah. You know, I'm just watching part of her life. I don't really know what's going on the rest of her time. You know? Anyways, it seemed as though, you know, this guy and they seemed to be comfortable together. And How could you tell? She was laughing. You know, once, I remember them coming in together and... As usual, she, she dropped her keys or something from out of her hand. She bent down to get him, and I thought, how come he's not bending down and getting him for her? And I thought, what kind of relationship is this? You know, one night, um, after I watched the two of them come into the lobby, I thought, well... I wonder what's going to happen. Um, you know, I wonder if this guy's really going to stay around for a long time. So I, 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 I kept the tape running just in case I missed something. But I, I went into the kitchen and made dinner and, and um, sat down in front of the TV and watched it. You, you watch while eating dinner. I watched the TV, mm-hmm. the lobby, and uh, I was wondering, you know, if I would see this guy leave. And uh, he didn't leave. And, and how how late did you you end up watching until? Um, I watched it till around midnight. And you didn't leave. No. So I watched it for about six hours. Put in another um, VHS tape, and I put it at SLP long speed. Mm-hmm. Um, he never left. He didn't. He, he never came out. No. Um, you know, hours and hours of tape, and I just sort of fast forward through it. But no, he never left. And um, and I thought good for her. And that's it, just good for her. Yeah. Nothing else. No. Not a little something else. Hmm. No, I, it, I, I was like now growing. I was becoming concerned for her happiness. <laughs> but um, it's over. Whatever it is, it's over. And so I. Um, I thought, okay, as, as a final, as the grand finale, mm. I, I went over and I, I actually deleted that channel to the lobby channel. So it's not. So now, when you go from say PBS to Fox, it just goes straight. Yeah, straight through. Straight through. No, no more lobby. lobby. Nothing. Yeah, no, it's gone. It's over. Mm. Yeah. I wasn't disappointed, um, but it was just like I don't know. It sort of signified the end of winter, and uh, spring was coming, and it was time to move on.
paranoid lately, but uh, it sometimes falls into these fits of paranoia that uh, where I think I'm being watched or surveilled, that my email's being read or my phone's being listened to. Last night I went to see The Passion of the Christ and came outside after after the show and told the guys I was with that I didn't believe in God. And I was a little afraid then that maybe God was watching me and had heard me say that and I was going to suffer for it. That's not the usual thought that atheists have. <laughs> well, you can never be sure. You can never be sure, you know. It's hard to rule it out completely. It's not that I, I mean, I, I believe in, it's not that I believe, it's that I don't believe in the God as he's portrayed in the Bible. Well, what do you think he would be like? Or she be like? What, I don't think he, I don't think he cares. I think it's obvious that God doesn't, doesn't, doesn't care. Do you think he's watching, if he is there? I think he's playing golf is what he's doing. Because things come up, like for instance, my daughter, she's 18. Mm -hmm. Last fall, she was running up in the foothills, and she saw a guy. Just, she saw him from a distance. She was running down the trail. She could see him from a distance, and she thought he was playing a flute or a recorder because he had something in his mouth. And uh, as she got closer, she saw him put what the recorder down, the flute down, and take a cell phone. She saw him making a call on his cell phone, and then he put that down, and then he put the flute back in his mouth. She got closer, and he looked right at her. She realized it wasn't a flute, it was a gun. And then he blew his head off. He waited for her to get close, and then he looked at her and then shot himself in the head. He didn't want to be alone. He didn't want to... He didn't want to die alone. And so he waited for this young girl about his age to come up. Uh, it was, you know, I imagine it was a long run out of there for her. What's your daughter's name? Jessie. She just happened to be there. And... She was angry that it had happened to her, right? Why did it happen? Why did he wait until I came up? Why did he do this to me? Why did he do it to himself? I told her that she it didn't. She had nothing to do with it. That uh, her being there was just had nothing to do with that guy killing himself. And that the guy was an ass. I don't think I said that at the time. I said that after the funeral. We saw, you know, his picture in Obit and went to his funeral and listened to his family and his friends talk. And it became clear that he was an ass. What did they have to say? I mean, because, you know, normally at a funeral you, you end up extolling the, uh, the person, right? Yeah. But it, it was, kind of obvious that they didn't know who he was. He sat around playing video games all day, and even his sister, who was closest to him, of anybody said, I didn't really know who he was. And his friends, 
were basically punks. They were uh, young punks. Did they speak? Yeah. And they couldn't say anything nice about him. Nothing? No. no. One guy got up and he said that he let him, he, his friend needed a place to stay for a while and he let him stay in his apartment and he let him sleep in his bed. He said, you don't have to sleep on the carpet, you can sleep in my bed. And that was the nicest thing anybody said about him. If God were watching and was able to see into your soul, into your essence somehow, then there would be someone, you know, some, someone who could see, see you when you're all alone and could see something good and nice about you, even when all the people at your own funeral can't. Yeah, I mean, that really is comforting. That's... That would be really nice to believe that and to feel like that. The voices you heard in part one of Wiretap were Bert Covet and Scott Carrier.